If this is what the Vikings offense looks like long-term with Josh Dobbs, we're going to start asking some very different questions. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You like it on 3-1, 2-3, you like it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Locked on Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. I am your host, Luke Braun. This show is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to those of you who do listen to this show every single day. My hashtag everydayers, I love y'all very much. If you are new, I love you as well. Hello, welcome. You can find this show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is YouTube or any of the places that you would usually find podcasts, including SiriusXM, where you can not only find locked on shows, but also live broadcasts of all Vikings games. You can go listen to uh, Paul Allen on that um, depending on your plan. You can also find this show on Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Vikings win final score 27-19. to And while that is, yes, a one-score game, it's not nearly as close as it felt in the moment. Um, I think that as we study this one more, we will find that the Vikings outplayed the Saints and beat them. And a lot of that goes to Joshua Dobbs. A lot of that goes to TJ Hawkinson. A lot of that goes to the defense, which we'll get to later. Um, but I mean, the biggest story coming out of this game, the thing that everybody is talking about and is going to keep talking about is Joshua Dobbs. Um, after the Falcons game, which I said a lot on this show. I I mean, look, that thing felt like a fluke. It just felt fluky. Felt like we stole one. It felt like, uh, you know, hey, great job. You obviously aren't going to live like that. And all the stories that came out of that of Kevin O'Connell in the headset and learning the snap cadence on the sideline, that's just not the way you're going to live. And you're also going to be against a team that can prepare for you, that knows what they're getting in, in the quarterback so that they can come up with a game plan. The Saints spied all day. And actually, Dennis Allen, after the game, like expressed lament that the spying didn't work. Like the Saints prepared for Joshua Dobbs and got beat by Joshua Dobbs in a very like normal, standard and repeatable way. And to me, that is so much more exciting as much as the Atlanta game is more compelling of a story. And you could even argue more explosive. This Saints game tells like answers so many of the concerns that I had about Joshua Dobbs. Can he actually get the offense down, go through the proper reads, you know, avoid bozo turnovers, no turnovers for the Vikings in this game. And he just, he checked every single box that wasn't checked by the Atlanta game. And that's what makes this really, really exciting. Um, you're going to start to hear questions. I'll probably get a whole bunch on Twitter Tuesday, which by the way, uh, you may always send me questions at Luke Brown NFL or at Lockdown Vikings on Twitter. If you've got something longer, you can send it to me at uh, Lockdown Vikings podcast at gmail.com, like Lockdown Vikings podcast at gmail.com, or there's a Google form in the show notes as well if you prefer that, or just leave a YouTube comment. I will answer all that stuff uh, on tomorrow's show, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of versions of, hey, how should Josh Jobs be the guy in the future? Blah, blah, blah. I think that's a little much after one game. You just want a bigger sample, but if he strings together five like this, 
you know, six, seven games like this. He gets seven left. He If he does seven more games like this, then I think you do, right? Now, we're only an eighth of the way there. So it would be fairly presumptive to say that now. But it was, I think, that good of a game. And it most of the production came in the first half. The Vikings went into halftime up 24 to 3 uh and absolutely dusting the Saints. And and they were dominant in all three phases. The defense was utterly dominant. Here's a stat for you. It's a little bit misleading, but I'm going to say it anyways cuz it's fun. Saints had 13 possessions in this game. 7 of them lasted for fewer than 3 offensive plays. Uh, not including penalty and stuff. So that's either three and outs or turnovers, or there were a couple at the end of either half. There was an end of the first half, two-play nonsense thing, and then there was the Hail Mary. Those two also count. So yeah, a little misleading, but still very fun. Like that was the defense got off the field, even after adjusting for all of that stuff. Um, and of course, that helps with you know the field position game and all that as well. But it's not like they were setting up the Vikings with a whole bunch of short fields and you know making it so that they didn't really have to do anything and giving them the ball on the five after a turnover. It wasn't that. It was a, you know they weren't exactly pinned back. Too bad. Uh, but the offense still had to like drive the length of the field. And this is one of those games. This reminds me a lot of like the Washington game last year or the first Giants game, the regular season Giants game last year, where it was just like TJ Hawkinson decided today is his day. Uh, like the TJ Hawkinson coming to get you game. And Hawkinson limited all week with a rib injury. The team expressed in, in the locker room speech uh, and in the media stuff after the team expressed, like we weren't sure if Hawkinson was going to play, which feels a little bit like Hawkinson said in front of the media that he was going to play. So I don't know if there's much doubt in his mind ever, but the rest of the team was like, I don't know if he's going to play through this. And he did. And he had the game of his season so far, 130 some yards uh, on 11 catches and a pretty sick score on probably my favorite throw of the day from Josh Dobbs, or at least my favorite throw from the pocket. There are some scramble plays that are pretty fun too, but uh, that is like the connection of, uh, uh, there's like the one thought and I tweeted it out too, that I can't get out of my head is this is like the connection of dudes. I can't believe their teams. Let us just have this guy at the trade deadline. It was the trade deadline quarterback throwing to the trade deadline tight end. And somehow we got both these dudes for a second and a sixth. That's it for all of the talk that I've had this year about Hawkinson and how vital he is to the offense. Um, it's also nice to see games where it just does show up in the box score and you don't have to look at all hard at all to see TJ Hawkinson took this one over. Um, I could rave about the offense. The run game was, we'll go with inconsistent, uh, but they did have a couple of decent runs. Alexander Madison had to pop in and out of the game. He was dealing with what I think was a shoulder injury uh, and we'll see how he, if he's on the injury report uh, upcoming. But with no Cam Akers, you've got a lot of Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler had his first touchdown of the of his career, could have had a second one were it not for a Brian O'Neill hold that I don't think he needed to do. Um, but that might be the counterpunch to Alexander Madison that we're looking for, and he might be the starter. Kenny Wongu also got some run from scrimmage as well, and if if Madison is hurt, they'll probably bring in you know guys off the practice squad. Uh, Miles Gaskin is is out there again. He spent some time with the team already this season. Somebody like that. Um, but seeing Ty Chandler have success was also very encouraging, considering that the Vikings are about as depleted at running back as they are at quarterback as they are at wide receiver. 
And the depth of this team has stepped up in a way that feels so exciting because you're thinking about who's get, who they're getting back. Now, they had the fully healthy offensive line, at least as it is now constructed. It was not the day one offensive line, but that was on purpose. Um, so Derisaw was back, and Derisaw had a phenomenal game up against mostly Carl Granderson. I don't think he saw a lot of Cam Jordan. They, they tried to do Cam Jordan on Brian O'Neill, and I think those two both got some licks in on each other. That, that felt like a pretty even matchup. And you can point to performances all over the team like that, with Daniil Hunter going up against Andres Pete and just putting that dude in hell. I felt bad for Pete by the end of that matchup, um, getting a lot of pressure. He did get his 11th sack, which meant a big bonus hits for him, big incentive hits for Daniil Hunter. Um, matchups like that all over the place on offense and on defense. Like I said at the beginning, this game wasn't as close as the score would suggest. Uh, and I, I want to kind of go over why I say I, I'm saying that as well as uh, throw some praise all over the Minnesota Vikings defense, Brian Flores's unit. So that's all coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time, a great place to find last minute tickets and tickets to anything, not just NFL games, but uh, Wolves game, you know, a, a wild game, concerts, theater, you name it, they will have it. Uh, on the Game Time app. And it's a great place to find last minute deals. If you just spontaneously decide, let's go do a thing this weekend, you don't have to deal with the insane last minute ticket markups you'll find in other places. They have their zone deals where you pick a section and Game Time will pick the seats and you get an average of 18% savings. Also, you can get a picture of those seats. Make sure you're all right with the view. You're not stuck behind a pillar or whatever. That won't happen at US Bank Stadium, but you get what I mean. Uh, and the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always Always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. They're that confident that they're the best deal in time in town. So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second thing, I would love it if you went to patreon.com slash NFL and watched my pass protection thing. Uh, that is one thing that I'm very, very proud of. Uh, I was so proud of it that I decided to not even put it in the paywall. You just go watch it. Uh, it's about an hour long, and you'll know more than all of your friends about pass protection if you watch it. Unless your friends are literally coaches <laughs> for, for whom that one's not going to have a lot of new information. Uh, anyways, 27-19, that's a one-score game. Uh, of course, we've, we've talked a lot about one-score games. That's sort of the way the Vikings have forced us to talk about them. But the idea of a one-score game is a little reductive, right? The idea of, you know, the, the, the notion that this game was just a coin flip is objectively wrong. I mean, that's insane, right? The general principle is that one-score games, you kind of treat them as coin flips projecting forward and say, you know, if you treat them as ties, they'll give you a better sense for the Vikings record. So the Vikings would actually this year be 1-0-8 by that, or 1-0-9 uh, by that heuristic. They're 5-4 and four in close games. And you sort of like expect them to, to even, or in one-score games, you sort of expect them to even out. But there is 
more signal in an eight-point win than there is in, say, a two-point win, right? These games that come down to, like, one field goal or whatever that are on the knife's edge and any tiny little swing of luck could have swung them the other way. It's what makes football exciting, and it also makes those games pretty poor predictors of, of future performance. But when you win by a touchdown uh, and you have situations like the one the Saints were in at the end of the game where they need to get a Hail Mary. I don't know what odds you want to put on a Hail Mary. It's probably not going to be a, a double-digit number. Um, and then after that, you have to get a two-point conversion, which most models, win probability models, will see as like a 50% thing. And that just gets you to overtime, which win probability models will also see as like a 50% thing, maybe adjusted a little bit depending on the spread or how they feel about how the game is going and all the models are different. And the nuances of that we don't need to get into. Uh, but it, it, for those counting at home, all of those probabilities compound. So even if you get the Hail Mary, which is the hardest thing in the stack there, you still have to win your two-point coin flip and your overtime coin flip. Uh, so you still, you, you're just getting that Hail Mary just to get a 25% chance to win the game. And that's being overly reductive about everything, but you get what I'm getting at, right? Like, even if you want to adjust those probabilities and say, yeah, but they, they scored both of the other two pointers in the game though. So maybe they would have gotten that one and maybe it was like a 75% chance and you know, they had all the momentum. So maybe 75% in overtime as well. Well, go do that compounding probability. You're still going to find that like they needed a Hail Mary to get to a coin flip. Like, the Saints were behind in this game, and if you look at any win probability model, at no point beyond the second quarter, like the start of the second quarter, basically when the Vikings went up 10-3, to all of those stopped looking at this game as anything but a huge favored Vikings situation, right? It was a coin flip in the first quarter. Once the score got out of hand, it wasn't close to a coin flip, and no serious analytic model will look at this game as a coin flip throughout the duration of it, even though in our brains it kind of feels that way. And that's because we have human emotions. <laughs> and human brains are pretty bad at stats. Kind of just part of our psychology is that our, our psychology is not really built for like objective probabilistic thinking. Our psychology has a negativity bias. This is like a lizard brain thing where you're constantly thinking about the worst thing that can happen to you because portending those situations can get you out of a jam. If you hear a rustle in a bush, it's probably the wind, but your brain goes, that might be a tiger and you leave. And guess what? People that did that survived more. That was the evolution, right? So we have negativity bias in our brains and we also have trouble parsing out probabilities with the kind, we, we, we tend to kind of round to the extreme, right? A, a, a thing that has a 10% chance, if I told you the Vikings have a 6% have a chance to win the Super Bowl, your brain probably takes that and says, okay, so they're not gonna win the Super Bowl, right? But that's not what I said. I, that 6% that chance is small, but it's there, and it, and it happens, and 6% outcomes happen sometimes. Lucky stuff happens, unlucky stuff happens. Um, and in fact, necessarily something like that will happen because headed into a given season, the the Super Bowl favorite betting markets and, and probabilities and stuff will give them like a 12% chance, right? That still feels like a very low chance, and that's the best one in the business. Something is going to hit, right? Um, so we're pretty bad at like parsing that stuff out, but we're also scarred Vikings fans. We are broken people, and I get it. The Vikings broke all of us. That's part of being, unless you're new here to the Vikings, in which case, welcome, and I am very sorry. Um, the Vikings have broken us. Guess what? They'll probably break us again. I can say that confidently because they are not 
higher than 50% to win the Super Bowl. Nobody is at this point in the season. So you can say about 32 teams, they will probably break their fan base's heart. And guess what? You'll be right 31 times. But when you watch and you get your heart broken over and over and over and over again by something that is sort of built to do that and only that, you're going to start portending the worst. You're going to start looking at this and feeling like, man, they just scored to make it 27 to 11. It's a 16 point game in the fourth quarter. And I feel like we're going to lose this game. But that's insane. Like there's no uh, methodology that makes any sense that brings you that result. And if you built a model that looks at a 27 to 11 point game in the fourth quarter with the backup quarterback in, by the way, Derek Carr got hurt in this game uh, with the backup quarterback and the way that that game had been going, feed that information into any serious machine and they're going to be like, yeah, the Vikings have like a 94% chance to win. But to our brains and our hearts, because of the biases that we have and the experiences that we're kind of grafting onto this new thing, we're not going to believe it. So I think it's really important to just be aware of the fact that your amygdala is trying to do math and amygdalas aren't good at math. It's just not really what they're built for. <laughs> so understand that while this was an eight point game, the Saints needed a 48 yard Hail Mary, which those never happen, to convert just to bring themselves back into the range where a two point conversion and a win in overtime and preventing the field goal on the way back, by the way. Uh, would have won the game. It just wasn't a coin flip. It wasn't that close. They did not eke out a victory. The Vikings were dominant, and I will spend the next two days arguing for this. The Vikings kicked a whole bunch of butt. Now, maybe I'll flip on the tape and I'll see a bunch of bad stuff that I didn't notice on TV. That happens a lot. Uh, the tape's just better than TV. That's why I watch it. But the Vikings kicked a whole bunch of butt, and we can be really happy with them for that. We should probably talk about the defense and how much butt they kicked because they did a lot of that, even though they gave up some insane touchdowns to Jameis Winston at the end. So that will come up next. Today's episode is brought to you by America's number one sports book. It's FanDuel. It's the best place to go a Grambling. And if you have not started a Grambling and you're thinking about getting into it, it's a great time to go to FanDuel.com. If you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up there, you're going to get a really cool promo. You can make a $5 money line bet on any money line. You could have bet the, the, the Cowboys to beat the Giants. They were 17-point favorites. $5 money line bet. You probably make like 20 cents on that. But you would get 150 uh, dollars in bonus bets back for winning that. So suddenly that thing that's minus, you know, 1600 odds becomes a 30 to one, uh, reward in bonus bets just for winning any $5 money line bet. And it can be basketball, hockey, whatever you want. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, it is a great time. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up and check that website. Every once in a while, they got all kinds of promos coming in and out all the time. So uh, make sure you check that stuff out. There's some really great deals. The app is great. They've got spreads, player props, over-unders, crazy parlays, touchdown props, all that kind of stuff. And they pay out instantly when you win on a very safe and secure platform. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get started. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I started covering the Vikings in an amateur fashion in 2016. That's the first time I seriously started saying I'm going to actually write about sports. And that's not that long of a time compared to other people in this market where, I mean, there have been people who've been covering this team since you know, Tommy Kramer and Fran Tarkenton and Bud Grant. Um, 
So I still feel a little bit green. That said, I feel like I've seen a lot of coaches come through and especially, you know, you expand that to the whole NFL over the years. And I don't remember ever seeing somebody who can just abandon an identity like Brian Flores can and like get away with it and find success. He blitzed just 21% of the time against the New Orleans Saints and the propensity to, you know, check down and Derek Carr's ability to, to buy time in the pocket and, um, you know, hold the ball, get something deep. Clearly something the Vikings didn't really want to contend with. And the two touchdowns that they did give up, both to Chris Olave, sort of had that. I mean, there were a lot of Chris Olave things where they just kind of got beat one-on-one or just kind of had this crazy jump ball situation and, the, and, and Olave won it and good for him. Um, and that seems like what the Vikings wanted to avoid. Uh, and the Saints got a, got him on a couple, but that feels like what they wanted to do. But just being Brian Flores, being the guy who's the whole story about you is that you blitz and being like, nah, not this time. And then like doing that, I think about so many other defenses that I've seen in my my lifetime as a, as a person watching the Vikings and how they just, they, you know, they have their identity. You know, Mike Zimmer... Could you imagine him going into a game and saying, yeah, I'm not going to sugar the A-gap or really blitz at all today, and I'm actually going to play a bunch of soft cover three zone? Like, no, he was a man cover defense. He had an aggressive mentality. Sometimes they didn't blitz just because the the quarterback they were going up against or whatever, but they always had their identifying characteristics, and Brian Flores feels like he comes out as an entirely new person every week. It's really cool. I love this. I think this is awesome. Um, now there was a lot of drop eight. That's part of Brian Flores identity. So it's not entirely unrecognizable, unrecognizable. Um, and it's interesting that we've had a couple weeks now of sort of defensive mirror matches because both the Falcons and saints approach defense with a lot of the same structures, a lot of Tampa too, a lot of, you know, lining guys up and dropping them off. Who's coming, who isn't setting up blitzes that way, sort of abandoning the, the generic structure of a four man rush in favor of, more intentionally choosing, okay, how many people are coming this time? How many people are coming this time? How many people are coming this time? Um, and and both of those teams have very well-regarded defenses. Both the Falcons and Saints have good defenses. And it just feels like the Vikings are a better coached unit. Top to bottom, honestly, all the way to offense, defense, um, they feel like a very well-coached unit. One of the things that really strikes me in coverage and I haven't talked a lot about individuals in coverage, kind of for this reason, is that the teamwork in coverage on the back end is so smooth. There are plays that you can see where, you know, th- there'll be a deep route that goes through an, uh, a hook zone and then through one deep zone and into the next deep zone for that they have to flood the coverage against a flood, proce- uh, flood concept or something like that. And you'll see the pass off and pick up if you just watch those routes and you th- think, okay, at what point is this a safe ball to throw? And it just like never is because everything is so smooth and all of the landmarks are so clear and everybody is so clear on what everybody is doing and there's no miscommunications. When's the last time you saw like a truly busted coverage or a true miscommunication? You'll see small versions of that mistake of, oh, well, you know, I thought he was going to drop four yards deeper, so I changed my landmark like that and I was wrong to... But I mean, thinking back to last year when there were busted coverages everywhere, it's just such a well-coached unit. I love Brian Flores, but uh, 
I also need to shout out the players, right? Um, Josh Metellus is everywhere. He's doing all of his jobs well, but I think the excellence comes in the number of jobs, the variety of jobs where he will get pressure. I mean, he had a QB hit on Jameis Winston on the floaty interception to Makai Blackman. Um, and by the way, congratulations to Makai Blackman, first career interception. Uh, Makai Blackman also, I mean, that wasn't like the most earned pick, right? It was just this floater that you just kind of had to chase down. But like for me, that was probably like the fourth best play of Makai Blackman's day, which means that there were three plays that were better than an interception. That were his awesome pass breakups or, or um, being able to like fill in for a screen, doing all this great stuff. It was a great game for Makai Blackman. Uh, and Andrew Booth also got in, also played well. Uh, Byron Murphy, probably the only guy in the defensive secondary that you go, oh, okay, not your day. He had a bad penalty. He gave up both the touchdowns. That were just crazy jump ball losses. But you still have to assign and be like, okay, you took the L. But in no way is that like concerning going forward. Just, all right, you got beat by Chris Olave. Congrats, Chris. Um, you just tip your hat and move on with those, right? So all of those guys get their kudos, and they're just playing as part of this amoeba unit. And it just it feels like there's 11 dudes working in one brain. That's so awesome to watch on defense. Uh, in terms of the front, Daniil Hunter continues to just absolutely wreck shop. This was one of the better DJ Wanham games that I've seen. I mean, there was, there was, you know, really truly winning those pass rushes. He got a sack. He he got pressures as just a productive edge rusher. Um, seeing good things from Harrison Phillips, good things from Jordan Hicks, awesome stuff from Ivan Pace in a couple of places. Uh, the, 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 I'm going to run out of kudos here. I need to go to the kudos store and stock up on kudos. Cause I've, I've handed them all out. I've run out of them. Just, just, just a lot to like about the way the Vikings played against the New Orleans saints who are, I remind you pretty good team. I mean, they came into this one at what? Five and four. Uh, they're a 500 team and a 500 team is not a slouch, right? That's a team. You got to be pretty good to just go out and wreck them like that. So the Vikings are playing like a good team. And, and we'll have lots of time to think to the future and say, ooh, what's the limit? What's the ceiling? And blah, blah, blah. You know me. I don't believe in ceilings. My hashtag everydayers know I hate the idea of ceilings. I think you can show up to any game and you can win any game, right? And I don't think that there's a world where you show up to a game and you can't win it in the NFL. Maybe if you're Appalachian State and you got to go play Georgia, maybe then we talk about that one isn't winnable. But in the NFL, chip in a chair, right? Get to the playoffs. There ain't no ceiling. But we have a lot of time to think about all those other games. The Broncos one is up next, so we'll kind of hone in and focus on that later in the week, and we'll talk more about this in the next couple of days. So get me your questions uh, at LukeBronNFL at LockdownVikings on Twitter. Send me an email. Uh, do the Google form in the show notes if you need it, or, or leave a YouTube comment. I'll talk to you all tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday. And as always, Skull.